Blog Talk Radio. Romans 2 and 5. Nope. The righteous judgment of the Most High, who will yep. render unto every man according to his nope. deeds, to them who by patience yep. continue in some well-doing seat, nope. for glory and honor and immorality, yep. eternal life. But unto them that are nope. contentious and do not obey the yep. truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. You an African American? Nope. You believe that's your heritage? Yep. Do you know who you are? Nope. King, queen? Yep. Nigga with back? Nope. Do you shine like a star? Yep. Think they gon' say it? Nope. We gon' explode. Yep. Yeah. They gon' take your life? Nope. So many secrets in the vault? Yep. Do this knowledge cost? Nope. Hop in the book to my? Yep. Do you follow these laws? Thank you. 
choose from. You got to choose one. Who you gonna choose the most? I heard Satan. Two sides to choose from. You got to choose one. Who you gonna choose? Who you gonna choose? Got to choose. All right, all right, all right. You're gonna learn today. All right, all right, all right. You're gonna learn today. All right, uh, shalom, 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 shalom. Uh, welcome once again to, to another episode of ISBHPK presents Bible Talk Podcast. Uh, my name is Mashaba, one of the teachers here, the moderators for the for the ISBHPK uh, Bible Talk Podcast. Welcome to our show. Um, coming at you a little differently this evening. Uh, usually, um, I do my podcast in the morning, uh, but this morning I actually had a, um, a VA appointment, doctor's appointment, so I couldn't make it to the um, couldn't make it this morning. But I wanted to still get my my time in uh, with the teaching and everything. So it, we adjusted to tonight. So uh, again, welcome to the show. Um, I know that right at this time, <coughs> excuse me, uh, ISBHBK, um, uh, uh, San Antonio, ISBHBK, uh, Houston, ISBHBK, Norfolk, and ISBHBK, uh, Rochester. Are uh, you still reaching them? You're probably listening, watching them live right now uh, on YouTube, which is a good thing. We're not in a competition or anything like that. Um, and there's some great edification and great and great teaching that's taking place. Um, again, this is not a, a competition like you either got to choose, listen to me or, or, or watch him, whatever. Uh, I, I'll lose that battle any time, every each and every time anyway. So, um, just want to go ahead and, and, and keep doing my due diligence uh, for the Most High and, and uh, my servitude and 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 keeping the, keeping the class going and keeping the class going. I am um, a little little in my head. Uh, this, this evening, as we get ready to get into the, tonight's topic, um, it's, it's been knowing that the scriptures is to give us comfort and to give us hope. Um, when we read Matthew chapter, I'm going to just go here real quick. Um, let me adjust this. We'll go to look at Matthew chapter 24. And verse 12, um, asking before we go there, when we read Matthew chapter 24, uh, summary verse 1, um, it reads, And Jesus went out and departed from the, t- from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him uh, the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here of one there's not be left here, the stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. We're talking about the, the destruction that was going to take place in, in Israel for the remaining uh, tribes that were in the land of Israel uh, during the time of Christ, that in 70 AD, we were going to be uh, completely banished and exiled from the promised land until Christ returned. Um, and that's what he was giving a warning about. But now the disciples, his disciples, his students are going to ask him a question about the end days, about the last days. Not referring to the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, but the last days of the end of this time before he makes his, re- actual, his return. So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, 
The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And well, just reading on in verse, verse 4. And Jesus answered him and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. So the question being asked by the disciples, and we, we've been over this many, many times before, is some of the, the signs for the end times. The signs to know that we're getting close to, to the arrival of Jesus, who the world calls Jesus Christ, making his return back into the earth, uh, back into uh, making his presence known again, uh, and his physical presence actually being here. His physical presence actually being here. So there's a list of signs, a list of scriptures that, 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 that we go through uh, in showing that, yes, it's, it's that time where, where Christ wants to make his return. Uh, the sign I want to focus on right now at this particular time, and this is why I'm so much in my head right now, is Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. And it says, um, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And that one of the signs of the, that we're in the latter days, it says that the uh, iniquity is going to abound and the love of many is going to wax cold. Let me, let me pull this up. It's all off the hip. It's all, um, this is not scripted right now, but it really isn't. Um, when I look at the same scripture in the AFV, what is the AFV? The faithful version, a faithful version, uh, of, of the Bible, it says, and because lawlessness shall be multiplied, the love of many shall shall grow cold. In the um, in the the Bible in basic English, um, uh, they have it translated as, and because wrongdoing will be increased, the love of most people will become cold. In the uh, in the Beer and Study Bible. The Beerman Study Bible, it reads, uh, because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Um, in the CEV, the CEV, which is the contemporary English version, it says, evil will spread and cause many people to stop loving others. Um, in the Darby uh, uh, Bible, it says that because lawlessness shall prevail, the love of the most, the love of most, uh, shall grow cold. Oh, here's a nice one. In the DRB, and the DRB is the Duray Memes Bible. And from the Duray Memes Bible, it says, and because iniquity shall abound, or, excuse me, and because iniquity hath abounded, the charity of many shall grow cold. And in the uh, the GNB, which is the Good News Bible, it says, such will be the spread of evil that many people's love will grow cold. Um, I'm just looking at some of these other versions um, I, of all, all the different types of, of Bibles I, I have available to me. I'm just looking at some of these other versions, and it says um, in the YLT, which is the Young's Little Translation, it says, and because of the bounding of the lawlessness, the love of many shall become cold. 
and I'm, I'm just kind of reflecting on this right now, brothers and sisters, um, uh, that there's going to be a lot of things going on, a lot of things that, that are going on, that uh, people's love, people's charity, uh, people's uh, consideration for others is it, 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 waxing cold. It's definitely waxing cold. Um, you know, one of the synonyms that I do use uh, for the word iniquity uh, is opinion. And the way I, I, I came up with that is we know iniquity is, is transgressions. We know iniquity is, is sins. Um, as we go to the dictionary, from the Webster's 1828 dictionary, the word for iniquity says, um, it's from a Latin word, uh, inquintitis, in and uh, oliquitis, uh, equity, um, meaning injustice, unrighteousness, a deviation from rectitude as the iniquity of war, uh, the iniquity of the slave trade, um, want of rectitude uh, in principle as a malicious uh, uh, prosecution originating in the iniquity of the Arthur. Um, let me see if I find something else here. Where's my vines at? All right, when I go to the, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, and I'm looking at the word iniquity. And I know I'm jumping, brothers and sisters. I know I'm jumping. Like I said, my, my head is swimming. Um, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to I'm trying to get some evil, even ground right now by going over some of these definitions and going over some of these scriptures and all, all the different versions of the Bible that, 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 that I do study from. Um, and looking at the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, it says iniquity. Um, in the Old Testament of the of the 11 words translated iniquity. So when we read the English Bible, uh, from the King James to any other translation that, that, that we look at, when you look at the word iniquity in English, in the Bible, there's actually 11 words. In the Bible, there's actually 11 words that have been translated to me for the English word iniquity. Right? There's actually 11 Hebrew words that have been translated to the word iniquity. So they're not all the same word. So they all, all carry the same meaning, but, but, but when the translators translated the, the the Bible from the Hebrew into into English, the closest English word that would fit the, these different Hebrew words was the word iniquity. But I want to take a look at some of these other other words that's used for the word iniquity and try and help help bring us some understanding. I'm trying to bring out. So it says in the Old Testament of the of the eleven words translated iniquity, by far the most common and important is Awan, which appears about uh, 215 times. Etymologically, it is customary to explain it as meaning uh, literally crookedness, perverseness. An example, even regard as to what, as to that which is not straight or upright. Moral uh, distortion from uh, Iwa, meaning to bend, to make crooked or to pervert. A uh, driver, however, uh, following uh, Lagrade, maintains that uh, no roots distinct in Arabic have been uh, confused in Hebrew. One equals to bend or to revert as above and the other. 
What I want to get from this, brothers, I know that might sound confusing, but it says here, in dealing with iniquity, um, it is meaning really crookedness, perverseness. An example, evil regarded as to what is not straight or upright, moral distortion. And and looking just at that section right there, that part of the, of, of the definition right there, um, that which is, is not straight or upright or a, a moral distortion. And when I was going through and studying, going through all the Bible and looking, through, looking at the word iniquity and iniquities, one thing that Mosai always kept saying in, in the scriptures is that, um, which kind of leads to tonight's class, is that we've never uh, confessed to God about the iniquities of our fathers, of, of our own iniquities and iniquities of our fathers. And the example I was, I was, I was reflecting on is if you grew up in a house and your parents didn't grow up uh, knowing that they were Israelites, uh, didn't know that, that didn't know that didn't know they were Israelites, and and, and were spoon fed um, Christianity, no, modern Christianity. They were spoon fed uh, religion, whether it be Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Seventh Day Adventist, or what have you. That they might have grew up in a household where pork was a, a mainstay uh, from 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 just family traditions. That we know going all the way back to slavery, that the only parts that were that were available to the slaves would be slop. Literally, the stuff that would be fed to pigs, but it would not be the, the it wouldn't be the steak, it wouldn't be the cow, it wouldn't be the beef. Uh, it would really be the, the 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 worst the worst animals scraps that would be left. That's why you know among black people and southern blacks, um, soul food um, is the chitlins, it's the hog maws, it's the pigs feet, it's the um, uh, it's the fat back, it's the the um, uh, the pork chops. Um, it's, it's the bacon. It's, it's a lot of, of, of soul food that was given to the slaves, and in trying to give some type of seasoning or flavor to the slaves, this is where we got to a lot of the cayenne peppers. This is where we got to a lot of the, the, the vinegars and, and, the, and, the, and the, the spices and the salt to try and give the land uh, food some flavor. But because that's all we had, and, and, and being the type of people that we are, we, 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 would, fix, we would hook it up. We, we 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 would take literally the the, the slop the slop of, of of the the scraps that was left over from the master's table, and we'd have to make some of it and try and make it taste good, and and, and we did. To, to our, hence, we have what's called the soul food. Now, knowing that that went on for generations, for generations, 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 that that was slave food, um, the the hot water cornbread. Um, if you're in Louisiana, um, Mississippi, you're dealing with a lot of crawdads, a lot of shrimp, a lot of um, catfish, bottom, feed, bottom feeders, um, now even turtle, uh, alligator, uh, squirrel, um, possum. Uh, that these this would be the protein that would be added to um, the black eyed peas, uh, to the greens. To the uh, uh, if we was able to get, get some rice, as well as again hot water cornbread and stuff, that this became a mainstay, uh, a, a staple diet among Southern blacks um, in in the South of here in in, in America. We know amongst um, more of the Latin tribes, more of the Hispanic tribes, that 
they weren't giving too much better food options either. That a lot of their food um, from the chorizo, from the um, uh, menudo, from the uh, 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 the, the chicharrones, that literally fried fat back, that this was all that was available to a lot of us, and this, these traditions and these foods were passed down from generation to generation. So in dealing with the iniquities of our fathers and dealing with, and dealing with such a thing, not realizing that eating of pork was really against God because that was the only food we had to survive on, but not understanding and not being given the Old Testament, not being able to read the actual Bible, um, remaining in, in an illiterate state for centuries upon the arrival of so-called white people coming to the Americas, that the, these became staple foods, but they were against God. They were abominations unto the Lord God, but they, they became family favorites. They became family traditions. They became, uh, um, again, tradition. The the the, the chitlins, the ch- chitlin cleaning, the uh, the again the the fat back in the in the greens and in the uh, in the pinto beans and, and the from the tamales and the lard that that we that we cook with because that was all that was available. They became mainstay. They, be, they became favorite delicacies. They be, they became um, uh, the, the favorite food of a lot of our people. Whether you're so-called black, Hispanic, or, or Native American, these became some of our favorite foods. All right, that was passed down to us from by tradition. That was passed down to us from uh, our family members, from our, our ancestors, from from us being uh, um, living in this captivity, this oppression that we've been in. So, in things like that, when now when we come back and when we actually read the Bible from Leviticus the 11th chapter, and we start to get the dietary laws of God as far as what meats God said are clean and unclean, what meats God said is, is, is an abomination, what meats God says that, that, we're not, that he didn't create these meats to be eaten. An example, pork, shrimp, crab, lobster, and, and what have you, uh, turtle, possum, squirrel, that these things were not supposed to be eaten. But for it to be in the family for so long, and this is what, what my parents grew up on, my grandparents grew up on, my great-grandparents grew up on, my great-great-great-grandparents grew up on, that knowing that this has been in, in the, these type of things have been in the family for so long that and not having access to the Bible, that because of these family traditions and, and these family iniquities to where now we're doing things that are irregarded um, and not straight, not upright, that there's a moral dis- distortion that the more distortion comes in that, well, God said don't eat it, but the more distortion is, well, as long as you pray over it, it's okay. As long as you pray over it and bless it, it's okay. Um, and that a lot of our, t- our, our tastes were passed down from our parents, from our fathers, from, from the, the previous generation. And that's iniquity. That if I have a favorite food, at one time was pork chops, where did I get that from? Where did I get that thing that pork chops was my favorite food? Because that was a, a, a that was something that was special in my household. That my my dad really loved pork chops, shake and bake pork chops. Um, get a little hot sauce, some vinegar. We get um, you know the the macaroni and cheese, the green peas, uh, a, a biscuit or a roll, um, and some Kool Aid. That was that was in my particular household. That was something that was really treasured and held on to. That was a special meal. All right, that was a special meal, and 
it, because we had so often, and I, I could see the reaction of my dad's face, being a, 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 obviously a baby, growing up with my dad and, and through the years, that that's, it's, it's expected that when pork chops are served, that's supposed to be a, a good feeling. That's supposed to be a good thing. That's supposed to be, um, I don't see what's wrong with it, because look how happy it made my dad. Um, when, we, when the family came together, my dad, my mom, me and my brother, and we had pork chops, oh, it, 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 life was good. Um, dad my, just got his check-in. Um, mom went to the grocery store, got, uh, uh, got the pork chops, we got the shake and bake. And when we came in from school, uh, and I could smell them baking in the oven and, and, and hear the, 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 the sizzle of the fat off the, uh, off the pork chop. Uh, that little bit of grease just, just dripping off of it. And then to get it on the, on the dinner table and, and to cut it up. And, and, you know, for me, a little bit of um, uh, either barbecue sauce or ketchup or a combination of, of, of the two and eat that. Oh, to get a little bit of meat with a little bit of the fat and to swallow that down, that was good. But I having to understand this and look at it, that where did I learn that from? That I like pork. I loved pork. I just seen my parents eat it, and for my parents, it didn't seem like such a big deal. Um, you know, uh, another another thing I really got from my parents, and trying to bring out this example is um, uh, pig skins. To get a bag of to get a bag of pig skins with again a little bit of hot sauce, um, that was good eating. That every Sunday. We go sit down. We go watch the Cowboys game because uh, my dad, you know, being from from he's from Texas. Then now we're, we're gonna sit down and watch the football game. It's gonna be the Cowboys, and we're gonna get you know the the, the snacks. And part of the snacks was we're gonna get the, the pig skins, a, a bag of pig skins, you know, the, the see-through bag of, of, of pig skins. And we're gonna just go to town and you get that that crisp, not the hard ones, not the hard, overly fried ones. But the ones that it was the pig skin where it was still kind of crisp, it still kind of almost almost melted in your mouth uh, uh, with, with, with that salty texture, uh, the salty taste and the texture of the pig skin, of that fried that fried pig skin crunching in the mouth again with just a smidgen of, of hot sauce, and then they have uh, you know as being a kid we had, we had a soda we had a, a Kool Aid or whatever that that was good eating, that was something that was good. And then don't let it be. We go to Long John Silver's. Uh, we didn't really go to Red Lobster. That was my, that was my dad's thing. But to go to Long John Silver's uh, and get the shrimp and fish uh, with the French fries and the extra um, um, dough that was fried that they were sprinkling inside the the, the 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 box. Oh my God, that was good eating. That was also also scrumptious. That was that was you know we did good. And we just asked you, where you want to go to eat tonight? Uh, Long John Silver's? Yeah, you, you best believe it's going to be shrimp. You best believe that we're going to go get some shrimp. But that was a family tradition that was morally corrupt. That was a family tradition that was morally off. It was, it was, it was, and it was regarded as that it wasn't really that bad. So those were iniquities that actually went against God. That was a moral corruption. That I learned from my parents, and I'm not trying to just throw my parents under the bus right here, but in understanding what God is talking about when it comes to iniquities, that there's a lot of things that we do and that we've learned that came from our generations, that came from 
our family members that came from generation after generation after generation, the family reunions or what have you, the family traditions that we really have took a hold of. And just like giving the example, that obviously the, the, the way we eat is not the only example of iniquity, that there's just a lot of traditions, a lot of things that are done that really are not in league and right with God. And that we haven't came to a, a, a came to the fact that I've got this this taste in my mouth when it comes to the food because this was the opinion of my dad, this was the opinion of my mother that she would cook it. You know uh, the the black mother syndrome that as soon as she calls you and says dinner's ready, you better come running. Because she, don't make her have wasted her time uh, cook, being in the kitchen all day long cooking you food. You better stop whatever it is you're doing because your mom said, come eat. We've all been there. Um, and that she she's allowed to get offended because you didn't drop everything to come cook this food that she cooked for you. That there's a lot of things that have just been passed down. It's the opinions that have been passed down from generation to generation that we have not came to a, a place where we're confessing that those things that we learned, not just the Christmas, not just Easter, not just Thanksgiving, um, uh, that, that we now uh, uh, say are, are pagan holidays, but including um, uh, uh, birthdays, including um, uh, uh, Mother's Day and Father Day, Father's Day, that all these things are they're actually against God, but these are things that we learned from previous generations. These are things that we learn from are these are iniquities, opinions that we've learned from our ancestors, from our our, our, our elders, from our our, our our parents, our grandparents, our family, that actually are against God. And that even how we treat people, even how we treat people, that now coming back with Matthew chapter twenty four and verse twelve, I try and bring bring this all back home. Coming back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, and it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That because of a lot of teachings and a lot of things and a lot of reactions that we've learned from our parents, from our grandparents, from our great-great-grandparents, um, that we hold, we'll hold on to things that they say and beliefs and, and the morals of them more than I actually hold on to what the Bible actually says. That knowing how a parent is going to react to what a Bible scripture might be, might, might, might be that we, we're not going to bring that scripture to our parents because it's going to upset them. Um, the way that a household is supposed to be ran, that we'll hold on to how we saw our parents do it and our grandparents do it, and we'll try to hold on to that as that being morally right when it's totally wrong. Especially when we come here and we read the the Willie Lynch, and for those who haven't read the Willie Lynch, you can, it's available online. Um, go and read it. Uh, uh, you're gonna get angry if you haven't never read it before. You're gonna get angry. Um, and seeing um, it perfectly describes the, the the formula that's been used here in America to brainwash and to um, separate and to break up families. I mean, it, 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 it's amazing when you read it. When I say amazing, not good, but just shocking. That damn, it's it, it's it's evident that this this has been in play, that is definitely working, specifically against our people. 
And we, we've done the William Lynch um, speech in classes here on uh, uh, ISBHBK Bible Talk podcast, um, which you can go, go and look up in, 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 the, in our podcast library, either on Google Podcast, on iHeartRadio Podcast, on Apple iTunes Podcast, um, or www.blogtalkradio.com um, library under Mashaba, M-A-S-H-A-H-B-A. We've covered the Williams speech before, but we'll, we'll, we'll come and cover it again. Um, but it's the perfect formula of, of showing how to disrupt and break up families and keep us divided, and that we hold on more to tradition more than we hold on to God's actual way of doing things. So it says here in Matthew 24 and 12, once again, and because iniquity shall abound, again, iniquity, where we learn our opinions from are the things that are morally distorted, morally crooked. Where do we learn that these things are okay? Where do we learn that it's not really that bad? Where do we get that opinion from? And that's why I get the, the word opinion. Where do we get that opinion from? From when we go back and we look at how our parents dealt. We go back and look at how our, our, our family, no matter how, how wide or extensive your family might be, even if you were adopted, that there are still things that you learn from the people your surroundings, being a product of your environment. I guess the, the, the saying I'm looking for, that we are products of our environment. The iniquities, the opinions of, of that have been tra- trans- passed down to us, we carry, and we have not gotten to a point, we rarely get to a point where we come back and, and say that the, the things that are morally cro- crooked, perverse, that they're wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we will have no problem confessing how um, if, we were, if there was child molestation uh, going on. We have no problem talking about if there's just things that, that our parents did that made us mad. They didn't respect my liberty. They didn't respect my adulthood. They didn't respect my what have you. We'll come back and be quick to talk about those things. And, and there's, there's plenty of therapists that are getting billions of billions of dollars every year um, in, in therapy. Um, letting somebody just talk and vent about how, how bad their parents mistreated them, how bad their, their life was, and how how, how – Dysfunctional, their, their 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 family members were, and we'll do that. But come back and actually look at the iniquity, some of the things that the opinions that we have, that we hold on to, that are actually morally corrupt, that are that are crooked, they're bent, they're perverse. That one of the things that we got to look at now as Israelites is we have to look at and examine. Remember, Scripture says, "Examine yourself." We're supposed to examine ourselves to see that a lot of opinions that we hold on to and we're stubborn about. We are mad stubborn about. Where are we learning from? Where are we learning from? That one thing I was presented with is, all right, cool. My parents never learned the truth. They, they never got the opportunity to learn they were Israelites. Um, the seals, the prophecies have not been, been opened yet. Um, so in my growing up, uh, They grew up in, in times, and my grandparents and, and, and past generations, they did not know the Most High. They didn't know the Bible. Um, they weren't reading the Bible. They weren't allowed to read. So to, they never got a chance to know the truth, which goes to, if you join me, go to Colossians chapter 1. And verse 25. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, and it says, 
And this is what Paul was saying uh, during the time of his ministry in Colossae. He said, Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. All right? That it was about making sure uh, to fulfill God's prophecies, um, to announce and teach God's prophecies of what was going to happen to the Israelites. All right? Verse 26, Colossians 1, verse 26. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages, for generations, but now it's made manifest to his saints. That if you consider what, what Paul is talking about, literally, if we're going, we're going to keep it in context, uh, a, a time context, that literally you have the, the Israelites from the, the northern kingdom of Israel that have been banished and exiled out of the northern kingdom, the ten tribes that were exiled, exiled out of the northern kingdom in 722 B.C., 722 years before Christ is when the uh, the northern kingdom had been kicked out, banished, and exiled out of the land of Israel. That's seven, almost seven and a half centuries that Israelites had been kicked out of the promised land. Now, we still had the southern kingdom of Judah. That's why they, they call themselves Jews. That's why the people of Israel during the time of Christ called themselves Jews, even though they might have been from the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of, of, of Simeon, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of, of whatever, that it was just uh, understood that you called yourself a Jew and that you were the remaining kingdom uh, of the, after the split of the, the nation of Israel that was still in Israel. But what Paul is talking about here specifically is that and he's referring back to this the mystery that's been here for ages and for generations. When Paul said this at this time, when he first wrote this, was referring to how the Israelites had been scattered from set, from 722 B.C. Now, I'm going to do a Google search real quick. I haven't done this before. I'm going to do it right now. And this last 45 minutes is, is that we're doing, it's totally off the, off the, off the cuff, off, uh, off the hip. Uh, but let me get this. Let me get this. I'm going to ask the question, when was the book of Colossians written? All right. I'm just doing a Google search. Um, uh, I asked, I typed in, when was the book of Colossians uh, written? And it says, the first thing that comes up says, in A.D. uh, 60 to 61, during his first imprisonment in Rome, Paul penned this letter to the Colossian church after he had received a report that they were struggling with a a Christological Christological, um, heresy. I'm not going to go into all that right now, but if we look at um, 60 to 61 A.D., now we'll pull up a calculator. Let's see what's going on here. Okay. Um, Becky, it's, it's all good. It's all good, sis. It's all good. Um, put up a calculator. Nope. If I take 722 B.C. plus 60 A.D., we're talking approximately 782 years. So when Paul wrote this in Colossians, I know for those who don't understand Bible history or don't follow Bible history, as much as we try and bring it out uh, in our classes, 
that when Paul said this in Colossians, and, and it's, it's going to contradict everything that you've learned from um, uh, that we've learned from religion um, since, since the white man came to the Americans. But the mission that's been here for ages, for generations, is what happened to the Israelites? What happened to the Jews? Where are they? Um, this is why, real quick, I, I hate saying the word real quick. When we go to make sure I'm, I'm spelling it right. Spelling is right. Search. When we go to the book of St. John, chapter 7. Numbers 33. Try and try and try and, and, and paint this picture, and I know it's jumping, and forgive me. Um, in St. John chapter 7, verse 33, it says, Then said Jesus unto them, um, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. So this is Christ uh, giving a, a warning to the disciples and, and people that listen to him that he, he, he wasn't going to be sticking around, that he's got to go. Verse 34. This is the words of Christ again. He says, you shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither you cannot come. So he says, I'm leaving, and when I'm gone, you're not going to be able to find me. You're not going to be able to come where I'm at. Now, listen to the response of the Jews and, 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 and the disciples. Listen to their response now uh, against what Christ said, that he's going to go away, and when he goes, uh, he's going to go back to him and send him, and when he goes, you're going to seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, then you cannot come. All right? That's St. John chapter 7, verse 34. Now we're going to be St. John seven thirty-five. Then said the Jews among themselves, whither will he go that we should not find him? So this is the question that's being asked. This, understand this. Whither will he go that we should not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? So who were the, dis- the, who were the dispersed? Among the Gentiles, the northern kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, they had been dispersed among the Gentiles from 722 B.C., and that they were not found again. The last time we read about the, the ten tribes in, in the Bible is in Second Kings, chapter the 17th chapter. The last time we read about the, the, the ten tribes of Israel is Second Kings, the 17th chapter. And we don't hear from them again. So for Christ to say, I'm going to go somewhere, and when I go, you're not going to be able to find me. The response of the Jews was what? Where is he going to go that we can't find him? We're going to the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles. So who was dispersed among the Gentiles? Gentiles were not dispersed among Gentiles. Let's, Let's get that understood also. Gentiles were not dispersed among other Gentiles. It was the northern kingdom of Israel, the Israelites, the ten tribes, that had been dispersed among the Gentiles and had not been heard from since. So when Paul came back now and, and, and was saying in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, uh, 25 and 26 again, he says, Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, 
but now it's made manifest into a saint. That the, the mystery was what happened to the northern kingdom. What happened to those Israelites that had been scattered back in 722 B.C.? Where have they gone? And it's been hid for ages and for generations. But now this mystery is being revealed of who they were. That's why Paul was out teaching the Gentiles. When you go and read any of the books of Paul in the New Testament, you read the first chapter, and the first, within the first few verses, he always tell you who he's speaking to, to the Jews, to the brethren, to the faithful, to the elect, uh, uh, in, in this city, that city, what have you. That he was going to those Jews, the Israelites who had been scattered. That's what he was doing. He wasn't just going to the straight Gentiles. He was going to the Israelites who had lost their identity, to the Israelites who had been scattered and dispersed because of our sins, because of our iniquities that had been dispersed, uh, scattered, kicked out, exiled, thrown out of the land of Israel amongst other nations uh, to the four corners of the, of the world. Now, that's what Paul was actually saying when he wrote Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 and 26. Now, the way we can apply this living word, the way we can apply the living word of God is that in a similar fashion, here today, during the time we're living in now, that the mystery has been hid from ages and from generations. What's the mystery that's been hid now is, again, the identity of the Israelites that upon coming to the Americas, upon the so-called white man coming to the Americas and bringing his Christianity, uh, his government, his, his, his Protestantism, his, his, uh, his Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Seventh-day Adventist, um, uh, Mormons, um, Catholic, uh, non-denominational religion, bringing the labels that he labeled the people that were here in the Americas, and the ones he brought them on slave ships, Negroes, West Indians, Puerto Ricans, Haitians, Dominicans, Cubans, North American Indians, similar Indians, Argentinians, Chileans, Brazilians, Colombians, Panamanians, so-called Mexicans, here in the Western Hemisphere, and giving us these titles and giving us these false names, that our identity and who God is has been a mystery. It's been hid from us. So for our parents and our, 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 their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents, that this mystery has been hid for ages, for generations. That no, our, our people did not know we were Israelites. We didn't know the dietary laws of God. We did not know the moral um, laws of God. We haven't understood the civil laws of God. We've even been taught that the laws of God have been done away with. That all you got to do is believe. And all you got to do is go to the altar call um, every Sunday when they have the altar call. That if, if you're a sinner, uh, well, please step forward, say the sinner's prayer, and accept Jesus Christ in your heart. And, and then go get baptized and become a member of the church. And now you're saved. That, that, that has been the, the, the watch, rest, repeat um, um, cycle that we've been involved with. But that is not the mystery that God was talking about. The, God, the mystery that Paul is talking about here, again, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 26, is the identity of the Israelites, who we are. And that's been hid from us until that prophecy had to be fulfilled. The prophecy of Malachi, that God was going to send the spirit of John, the spirit of, of Elijah, um, back and was returning the heart of the fathers unto the children and the children to the fathers. That, we were, that there was going to come a time when now the Israelites, we were going to come back and start learning that we're the Israelites. That's really started taking place on, on a mass level, mass scale, in 1970, 1969, um, uh, after it was proclaimed that uh, the so-called white man uh, uh, actually went and landed on the moon. 
and set his nest in, among the stars, according to the prophecies of Obadiah, that that, w- that was going to happen. But that was also going to mark the end um, or the beginning of the end of the decline of this last kingdom, this last empire that was going to be on the earth before Christ made his return, before Christ makes his return to save the children of Israel. Now, I know I just went through all that right there and probably got a lot of people bored. A lot of people probably went in and just turned the, the, the show off. But I went through all that, tried to get to the, the word iniquity, of why I say a synonym for iniquity is opinions. Because a lot of things that we like and, we, and, and that, we, that we carry on and we do, we, we got it from people who did not know the Bible. And a lot of things that we hold on to that we don't see as morally wrong, a lot of things that we hold on to and we push and we're stubborn about, we don't realize that we learned that that's hard-headedness. We learned those opinions from previous generations of people who did not know the Bible. That we got, the, we got those things, we got those opinions, we got those, those traditions um, from people who never learned the Bible. Now, I'm not saying this, um, that it should be a lack of love uh, or a lack of, now a lack of, uh, or a pushing out of total disrespect um, to our, four, our, our foreparents, to our parents, our grandparents, what have you. They literally did the best they could. They were on survival mode, that God had turned his back on the nation of Israel. And that's, a, that's what we've been covering in this series for the past four months. God did turn his back on the nation of Israel because of our sin. And to where we finally got kicked out of the promised land in 78 and, and 722 B.C., and then finally in 70 A.D. And then upon the arrival uh, here in the Americas um, of Columbus and Merton Incorporated, Portuguese, the French, the, the English, the Germans, the Irish, <clears throat> bringing all their religions and all, all their lives, and then bringing the, uh, those people on, on the cargo slave ships to learn more of the lies um, and, and the hiding of our identity, that we have not known God. We have not known the scriptures. We have not known God. And this is why Christ even, remember, remember y'all, and I know a lot of y'all are going to take this personal anyway. I know a lot of people are going to take this personal and just as an excuse not to listen and to hold on to your tradition. I, I, that's just how it's going to be, I guess. Um, but remember, when we go to... Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Remember, when we read the book of Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, what did Christ say? Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God, that we have not grown up. Our, our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, um, uh, our families, they have not grown up knowing the scriptures. Our, our, our people know more gospel songs. They know more songs than they know scriptures. They can recite the last key and can tell you what key a song is written in, and and if if, if it is a baritone uh, uh, part or or alto or or soprano, it can break down the song to its last. Can go and identify every instrument that's being played in the in the song, from the cello to piccolo to the to the, uh, a violin to the bass to the oboe to a French horn to a to a trumpet to a flute to a a, a guitar a bass guitar to the to to um, just the bass that all that can be broken down, but yet can't recite four scriptures, can't recite three scriptures, barely know the books of the Bible, can barely recite the books of the Bible in order uh, from Genesis to Revelations. 
and and I know if I throw out there, uh, name the twelve disciples, please. I know a lot of people would, would the stress that they they, they, they would put up on their brain and trying to recite the, the name of the twelve disciples, please. But let any song come up, and you know the complete lyrics of the whole song, including the remixes. That that is very identifiable. But let it be the scriptures. That doesn't happen. Let it be something that, that a, a parent said. Let it be something that a grandparent said. Let it be something that an uncle has said. Let it be something that an aunt has said. Let it be something that a friend of the family has said. Those things are, are remembered like a steel trap. Those things are caught in, in a person's mind like a steel trap, and a person will not let those things go. But let it be trying to get the word of God to show that those are iniquities to show that those things are off, wrong, and they keep perverting and making things crooked when it comes to serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, please. It's worse than trying to pull teeth. It's worse than trying to pull teeth. And this is what's got my head swimming, uh, brothers and sisters. This is really what does have my head swimming. Um. I need to go ahead and get into this class. Uh, I really do. Uh, real quick, uh, I'm going to take a, a musical intermission uh, and, and make this transition. And I'm going to announce it now, and I'm going to also announce it at the, at the end of the show. Uh, prayers going up for uh, the Tuzzlepaw family uh, and his mother, Catherine, for, for, for the, uh, some of the things that they're dealing with. Our continued prayers. Um, and support and love going out to uh, the brother Thawam, uh and his family as as they're dealing with some um, dealing with some things right now um, within within their family. Uh, uh, for the record, uh, for those who don't know, active members in this truth, active members in this truth, um, in this work of, of what we call the work of the Most High, and continuing to, to, to teach class, go to class, um, uh, uh, teach scriptures, uh, and support any of the work that's going on by, quote, unquote, the camp or whatever. Um, besides the brother Bonabad. I take that back there. It's just a Yapaya. Um, Yapaya. Right here in San Antonio. As I'm just going racing through, through the memory bank memory banks. This is Yapa is probably it's definitely been the one I've known the longest in this work, in this truth, in this walk as as Israelites. We actually came in together, uh, back in eighty nine, back in, in in Puerto Rico. Uh yeah, eighty eight. Back in eighty eight. Is, uh, is when we came into this knowledge, we came into this truth. Uh, by, by our first teacher's name was Abanazar. Um, then there's, there's, there's Banabai. But I knew Banabai in high school, but I didn't know him in his walk. Um, it 
There's Cobb. Let me, let me not, 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 not forget Cobb. There's Cobb. There's Kazakia. Um, yeah, I first met Kazakia in the winter of 1992. The first time, the second time I ever got to New York, but the first time I ever got to the, the brownstone that we had in New York, the very first brother's house. That's when I first met Kazakia. That's, that's Ariella's dad. Not Ariya that you might be seeing on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, but Ariala. Um, I first met Kazaki again in 92, along with Cover Cop, too. Um, and then it was also in, in 92. I take that back. I knew Balabad first before I knew Cover Cop, even. Wow. Because we went together in, in Albuquerque. We were together in Albuquerque, and we, we actually helped put the money together to get Ariella, Aharon, and Kawakab down from New York, down to uh, uh, Albuquerque. Wow. As I'm putting, just putting this chronology together. As you can tell, just, again, this is something that's coming off the top of the head. Um, but getting back to my point, what I'm trying to get to, is that from Miami, from the time I got into Miami, Dalon's family, including my sister, um, uh, Waradaya. Dalon has, has been a pillar. Dalon has been one of the most dependable, uh, faithful brothers uh, that I've ever met. He, he really truly is. Um, and humble. The brother is, is, is humble and Waradaya. Uh, if you meet them and know them, that, that they literally give you their very last. Um, that's just the type of people that they are. They will give you their last. Uh, and I first met Darwan when I was in Miami. And I was head of the school out there in Miami. Um, the sacrifice and dedication that these two in particular gave at the time. Um, I'm not going to go into the details. They, they know it. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to say anything about it, but the sacrifice and, and, and love that these two have shown, I met that woman in 2000, I believe it was. And then we there. That, that, again, when everybody else had left, I down in Miami. Uh, the only one that stayed around was that woman. I mean, why that, that that a lot of other uh, people that were, had been down there that seemed to be like they were pillars, they they left, they pilled out. Um, but if brother saw, and 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 his wife, uh, Wardaya, and at the time it was pretty much just the, uh, their son Kazak. Uh, have been stalwarts. They've, 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 been, they've been pillars in, in this walk that we've been in. Uh, I ask everybody, please, please send up prayers for them um, as, as they're going through some, 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 some trials and tribulations right now. I'm not going to get into the details. But as they're going through some trials and tribulations, <clears throat> out of respect for their privacy, uh, please, um, whatever prayer circle that you might be involved with, please add them to your prayers and ask the most high. Um, to watch over, to bless, to heal, to strengthen, to take care of, to shield, 
uh, to restore um, uh, Thawam, uh, Wardaya, and, and, and the family to the, the current um, trial and tribulation that they're going through. Um, uh, just please. Uh, it says the prayer of the righteous availeth much. So please add it to your prayers. Please add it to the prayers. Uh, Please have to see your prayers. So with that, I am going to take a, uh, uh, an intermission right now and a musical inter- intermission. And then when I come back, we're going to continue on with uh, Bill of Salvation. Uh, now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure. All right? That it's about doing God's pleasure and confessing. All right? And confessing. So with that, like I said, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, we're going to take a little musical uh, intermission. When I come back, we're going to continue on with this, this series and with this class. And yes, you you got it. Here's back to life. Here we go.
All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. You're going to learn today. All right, cool, cool, cool. We're back, we're back, we're back, we're back. All right. Um, the, now, to catch up, where was that in, in the class? Uh, I'm going to first read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to first read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, and it says, Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That the Lord is, 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 is willing to negotiate, willing to bargain, willing to work with the nation of Israel. He's going to work with the nation of Israel according to his covenant and his promise that he made to Abraham, his friend. Abraham, and we've been covering that in this series um, for the past four months, all right, um, that even though he did exile and banish because of our sins, because of our opinions, because of our stubbornness, he banishes out of the promised land that he promised to Abraham that we would be there, that the land would be given to the Israelites, and we, we, we mess it up, and continual, continual idol worship. Continual, continual following the iniquities and the opinions of our of our fathers who went away from God, and, and following their ways and their attitudes and their their way of thinking. Then God is coming here now, coming to the nation of Israel here in Isaiah chapter one verse eighteen, saying, "Come now, and let us reason together," said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And we we, we covered this in, in, a, in the last episode um, that, that I taught, which was on Monday. Um, we, we went over this. So I'm just the briefest recap I possibly can uh, as, as time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. Let's go to Isaiah 44 and verse 22. was the actual last scripture we went over on Monday. Uh, as I pull it up here. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 20, uh, 21. Um, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 21. It says, remember these. Again, let me slow down. I'm in I, the book of Isaiah chapter 44, verse 21. And it says, remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant. O Israel, thou shalt not Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. That the Most High, God being the creator, the Most High being the creator, he knows what he created the Israelites to be. He's saying, remember this, O Jacob and Israel, don't, don't forget, you are my servant. I formed you to be my servant. I made you to be my servant. You are my servant. Oh, Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I ain't going to forget that I, I created you to be my servant. Everything in creation was created for God's pleasure. Everything in creation was created for God's pleasure, including the Israelites to be his servant. And he's telling them, remember this, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as wool. Though they be like crimson, they should be white as snow. I'm going to uh, – we can work – we're going to get this together. We're going to work this out. Verse 22, the, this, God speaks to the nation of Israel again, the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. I have blotted out as a thick cloud 
thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. That this is going to happen. Now, we know in the past, it happened with the Israelites, that especially after the Babylonian captivity, after the Assyrian captivity, when the Lord God pushed out, exiled, banished throughout the northern kingdom of Israel. And then after the Assyrian captivity, when the ten tribes were pushed out of the land and scattered to the four corners, that the Babylonians came into power under Nebuchadnezzar, 586 B.C., and that many Israelites, many Jews from the southern kingdom were put in captivity in Babylon. They, that's the first time that the, that the southern kingdom was actually kicked out of the land also, brought into captivity in another land, into Babylon. That was the significance of it. But he still gave the Israelites a chance. He still gave the Jews at that time a chance to come back to Israel. And they did. Now under the Babylonian captivity, we were kicked out of the, of the land of, of Israel, but we, we were allowed to come back during the Persian and Mede captivity. And we can read about that in the book of Ezra. We can read about that in the book of, of, of um, Nehemiah, uh, uh, throughout Jeremiah. And that's part of the series that, that Tazapah is covering uh, right now on Tazapah Tuesdays. He's actually covering that, part of that history that I'm discussing right now. He's actually covering these topics in Tazapah Tuesdays um, about the captivities of the southern kingdom. You Please go and check it out again. Um, ISBHBK Bible Talk on iHeartRadio, um, uh, Google Podcast, uh, uh, Apple iTunes um, uh, Radio, uh, Podcast Addict, or www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mashaba, M-A-S-H-A-H-B-A. Cool. So this is going to happen, all right, that our sins are going to be blotted out. We're going to be redeemed, all right, that he's going to forgive us. It happened during the Babylonian captivity. We, we were allowed to come back. Come back. We went to continued idolatry. We went to continued um, uh, whoredom in God's eyes until in 70 AD, we were finally kicked out of the land. But these words still apply to the Israelites. If we return and do that which is right in the eyes of God, he's going to bring us back home. He's going to redeem. He's going to save us from this captivity. So from there, we're going to go to uh, the book of Baruch in the Apocrypha. And I did cover this a little bit again in the last show. We'll go to the book of Baruch in the Apocrypha. Baruch chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8. Baruch chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Uh, and it reads, uh, Baruch in the Apocrypha, uh, chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. And for this cause, thou hast put thy fear in our hearts, that Oh, let's just go there. I, I, I can't. I can't jump in like that. That's not a smooth transition. Let's go to Baruch. Uh, Baruch chapter three, starting at verse one. It says, "O Lord, O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, the soul in anguish, the troubled spirit cries unto Thee." And this supposed to be the purpose of the Israelites being in captivity. We're supposed to be crying to the Most High. We're supposed, the Israelites, as Israelites, we're supposed to be crying to the Lord because our spirits are troubled, because we're being vexed, because we're being afflicted. We're, we're, we're being forced to have to pay payments. I think I went over this, but we will read it again. Verse 2, hear, O Lord, and have mercy, for thou art merciful, and have pity upon us, because we have sinned before thee. Now, this done during the time of Baruch, who was during the time of Jeremiah, again, during the Babylonian captivity. When he says, 
O Lord. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy, where thou art merciful. Just like we've been going over in this series, how many captivities the Israelites have went into, how how many times the Israelites um, required or needed salvation because of our sins, and the Lord had mercy upon the Israelites. So to make this statement here, for thou art merciful, if you don't understand the history of the Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel, and how we, we committedly, we repeatedly committed whoredom, we repeatedly, repeatedly committed idolatry against God, but then we came back and asked God for forgiveness. We, we came back and confessed our sins and asked God for forgiveness, and God had mercy upon us. That, that has been since we came out of Egypt. And I keep stressing these things because I'm trying to get this message across. I'm really trying to get us to see these things. I know it sounds like a broken record, and, and that's, what I'm, I'm, that's what I'm known for. I, I, I'm that broken record. I'm, I'm the one who beats, that, beats a dead horse. And I, that, that we got to keep going in these scriptures because we, we, don't, we don't get it. We, we don't get it. Everybody wants to hear just, just the, 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 the joy to the world, goodwill to all men, and, and tell me that I'm okay and everything is all right. And don't worry, be happy, and, and it's just supposed to be all um, shits and giggles. But that's not the truth of the matter. We, the nation of Israel, are not getting out of here until these, these conditions are met. As much as we talk the lie that God loves unconditionally, please, you'll never read that anywhere in the Bible. There are always conditions to God's love. So, again, verse 3, Baruch chapter 3 and verse 3. For thou endurest forever, and we perish utterly. And this is what has continued to happen to the Israelites. We keep perishing. We keep being stubborn. We keep wanting to commit whoredom against God. We keep wanting to do the, how the world does things, and God keeps not accepting. God keeps turning his back and, no, I'm not going to accept it. No, I'm not going to deal with it. No, I'm not going to accept it. I don't care how, much, how sentimental it is to you. I don't care how emotionally attached you are to it. I'm not going to accept it. And this has been his message to the nation of Israel since we came out of Egypt. Verse 4, Baruch chapter 3, verse 4. O Lord Almighty, thou God of Israel, hear now the prayers of the dead Israelites and of their children which have sinned before thee, and that hearken unto the voice of thee, their God. For the which cause these plagues cleave unto us. Yes, they do. Because we continue not to listen. And remember, I, I, I can hear all the complaints now. I really can. I can hear all the complaints. I can hear all the, all the, all the, the, the podcasts being turned off, and, and I, I, can, I, I can see it and hear it. But damn, people are at the, a point now, they think that just because now I call myself an Israelite, that that's all I need to do. Obviously, People don't read that when the Lord brought the Israelites in captivity, all those captivities before, there was never a question about our nationality. We never had to teach the Israelites back then that we're Israelites. Coming out of Egypt, there was no need to teach the Israelites that they're Israelites. There was no need. There was no need to teach what tribe you come from. They knew what tribes they came from. They knew their people. They knew what their history. They knew who they were. They knew their nationality. That did not prevent them from sinning. 
That, that did not prevent them from committing uh, whoredom in the eyes of God. That did not prevent them from from their iniquities or following their own opinions or their own imaginations as to what they felt was right and what they was going to do and not going to do. The fact that we call ourselves Israelites had no, nothing to do with our salvation. And unfortunately, there's too many people um, in, in, in this work now that still carry that very heavy Christian uh, religious mentality that because I'm part of this church, because I got baptized in this church, or because I call myself by this title, that's all I got to do, and it's about me living my best life. It's about me now, God being that genie in the bottle, and he's granting me my every desire, my every want, my every – and God now adjusting how he does things to to fit my wants, my, my desires, and my lusts. And that if I'm not having my lusts, my desires, my sentimental BS attended to, I'm going to walk around sad, depressed. I'm going to walk around with an attitude because I don't see why I should be doing this because God don't ever give me anything that I, I feel I want. I feel that it's not just a want, it's a need. And it's like people, for the things you keep saying that you need, and have you ever did any Bible study on what lust is? Ever. Or is it just lust when it's somebody doing something you don't approve of? Then now they're following their lust. But for you, it's you, you have needs. Reading on, Baruch chapter 3, verse 5. Remember not, this is where we're going to come into this word again. Baruch chapter 3, verse 5. Remember not the iniquities of our forefathers. Remember not the opinions of our forefathers, which passed on their opinions, their traditions, their, their, their morals, their corrupt, crooked morals, down to us. Baruch is praying. Please don't remember... These iniquities. Don't remember their opinions. Don't hold on to their opinions. Remember not the iniquities of our forefathers, but think upon thy power and thy name now at this time. That thou art the God, and speaking of God's name, from Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That's going to be his name forever. Uh, Baruch chapter 3, verse 6. For thou art the Lord our God, and thee, O Lord, will we pray. Verse 7. And for this cause, thou shalt put thy fear in our hearts. We're supposed to fear God. For being in these captivities, being in the oppression and the vexations and the trouble and anguish spirits that we have, we're supposed to fear God because God has kept his word. We are not in the promised land. We are not in, 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 the, in the chosen land. We are not above all nations. We are, we're on the bottom of everything. We're not in a position where uh, nations are going to borrow us and we will never borrow of them. P- please. Everything that God says is going to happen to, to us as Israelites has happened to the last dot, the last period, the last comma, the last semicolon. It's happened to us. God has kept his word. That is what's put a fear in us, especially now. 
in the year 2023, when we have we have the internet, we don't have to go to a library and, and know the Dewey Decimal System and actually have to do any type of, of of historical research. We can you can print it, you can pull it up on the internet right now. Google search um, Siri. Um, um, okay, Google. I mean, whatever you want to go to, it's it's available to do the research. But no, we don't do that. Verse 7, and for this cause, thou hast put thy fear in our hearts to the intent that we should call upon thy name and praise thee in our captivity. For we have called to mind all the iniquity of our forefathers that sinned before thee. I need to get like a, a, that, that, drum, that, that drum roll. pa pa for we have called to mind all the iniquity of our forefathers that stand before thee. We don't have to go all the way back to Abraham. We don't have to, I mean, to Adam, to David. We ain't got to go there. We can go back two or three generations of what we're living right now. We can go back two or three generations from, from this is what, March 18th? March 17th, March 15th, 2023, we can go two, three generations from right now and, and, and look at the iniquities of our forefathers and their opinions that we continue to hold on to. Verse 8, behold, we are yet this day in our captivity, where thou hast scattered us for a reproach and a curse and to be subject to payments according to all the iniquities of our fathers, which departed from the Lord our God. This ain't about us, because now I call myself an Israelite. That's it. We're being, uh, uh, we've been scattered, we're a reproach, we're a curse, and we're subject to payments according to all the iniquities of our fathers, which departed from the Lord our God. We can't deny these things, but I, I take that back. We shouldn't deny these things, but we do. But we do. From there, let's go to Ezra chapter 10. Let's go to the book of Ezra, chapter 10. Let me pick this up. Uh, we're going to the book of Ezra, chapter 10. We're going to start verse 1. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Let, me, let me see how chapter 9. I'm going to go to Ezra chapter 9 and start at verse 10. Ezra chapter 9 and verse 10. And what Ezra is, is, is going over right now, um, he's about to cover. Um, he's about to go into to some idolatry that the nation of Israel got, got caught up into. Um, I don't know. How, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to find the words 
And I know people use that for an excuse why this this class don't matter. Um, when we look at one of the, the major sins that the nation of Israel committed was the nation of Israel falling in love with the other nations, which literally is a sin and goes against the commandment of God, that we literally fell in love with the other nations. And we had our sons marry the other nation's daughters, and then we gave our daughters to the sons of other nations. And following what we felt was not a big thing, and following the, the notion that it's about love, that they put they put one paddling on at a time like we do. That that they only want, want the best for 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 their children, and it to be that if if these two people have loved, fell in love with one another, then then all we need is love. All we need is love, love. Love is all we need. Not the love of God and keeping his commandments, but following the notion of love that each of us has in our own minds. Yeah, because we're following love, or it seems to be love, that because this person appeases my emotions, whether it be a, a, a man marrying another nation or, or a woman uh, marrying another nation, and I'm not going to make the point, because I know that's where a lot of people want to get technical and be like, well, I don't, I don't marry nobody else. All I love is black men or black women. That's, that's not the point I'm trying to get, trying to, get to or, or bring out right now. We see the result of a person following what they feel is love. It resulted in Israel, Israelites having mixed marriages. I'm not just going at the at the at the result. I'm going at the core. How did Israel get caught up into mixed marriages? And mixed marriages among Israelites is, is not a sin. A Judite marrying a, a, a uh, an Israelite, there's nothing wrong with that. A Levite marrying a, a Nephtaliite, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that within the nation. But to go outside of the nation. And this thing called love. And because I love this person. In my mind, I love this person. In my mind, this person loves me. They cater to my my thoughts, my feelings. Uh, they're my soulmate. And, they, you know, especially how us Israelites get into it, that as I check the zodiac, our zodiac signs match. So because of the zodiac, and uh, because I've got this feeling of love in my heart, and I think it's okay. And all my parents ever told me is find somebody that loves you and that you love. Find somebody, and, and there's a long list of characteristics that parents give their, their daughters and give their sons about what to marry, who to marry, or what have you. And it's really based around love. That Now, I don't care who you marry as long as you love them and they love you. And that, that's become the standard amongst our people. But we're going to read now here in Ezra that this, this notion I got carried so far that now you had a lot of Israelites 
children that couldn't speak Hebrew. It, it, it got to the point here in history that we're reading about here in the time of Ezra that Ezra and Nehemiah was all at the same time. It was all during the same time that you couldn't tell who, who, who were Israelite children and who were nations. That we got so far away from the laws of God, it was about just following your heart, following your mind, following your emotions, following sentimental ties. That the law and commandment of God was completely thrown away. Completely thrown away. So, here in Ezra chapter 9, verse 11. Here in Ezra. Chapter 9, verse 11. Actually, verse, verse, verse 10. The book of Ezra, chapter 9, verse 10, it says, And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments. And this, this is a prayer that Ezra was, was offering up and confessing about what we as Israelites had been doing. All right? Ezra, chapter 9, verse 11. Which thou hast commanded by thy servants the prophets, saying, The land unto which ye go to possess it, is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations, which have filled it from the end, from one end to the another with their uncleanness. Now, God is one saying that these nations are unclean. The things that these nations are doing is filthy. The thing that these nations are doing is an abomination, that God can't stand it. And they filled the land from one end to another with their uncleanness. This is what God's opinion is about the way these other nations' behavior, cultural, um, morals was. He thought it was disgusting. He hated it. But what if we as Israelites come back? I don't see what's wrong with it. I kind of like doing those type of things. And they look so happy. They look so free. They, they look so pretty. They look so so. It looks so good. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think what they're doing is so wrong. So from from that little bud, that little seed, it only got worse and worse and worse and worse to where now we're marrying these other nations, participating in their, in their in their their culture, their uncleanness, their wickedness, their morals, their abominations, and in our mind, it wasn't that bad. When God had already pronounced, he couldn't stand these things, do not partake in these things. But we, being stubborn, being having a whore's forehead, fell in love with these traditions, with these thoughts, with these emotions, and we, we went after it full-heartedly. When God already gave his opinion about what he thought about these things, Verse 12, now, therefore, give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever. And we can, I can make a whole other class about seeking the wealth of the other nations, seeking the things that are valuable to the other nations, whether it be their education, whether it be their, their jobs whether it be their money, whether it be their, their, their festivals, 
whether it be their feast. Don't seek their peace or their wealth forever. Why? Reading the bottom half of, of Ezra chapter 9, verse 12, that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. This is, again, I get so sick when I, when I hear people, my people, Israelites talking about that we need to get some generational wealth. We need to get, get something that, that, that some generational wealth that, that's turning over so we leave something for our kids. That if something happens to us, we got to be able to leave something for them. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's, not, it's never understood that this same mentality is what got the Israelites kicked out of the promised land where we had nothing but generational wealth. We had nothing but inheritances to pass down, land to pass down forever. So we didn't do it in the, in the promised land, but now we got to follow the ways of the so-called white man. We're, we're getting our credit together. with um doing what, what people do for money. That now we're going to make sure we follow the doctrines because now it's about wisdom again. We have to use wisdom so we can leave something for our kids, so we can leave some generational wealth. What was the land of Israel about in the first place? Damn. Ezra chapter 9, verse 13. And after all that has come upon us, evil deeds, and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, has punished us less than our iniquities deserve. I've been looking for this one. And has given us such deliverance as this, that we've been punished less than our iniquities and our opinions deserve. That we've been doing, the evil is in who, who sees that it's evil? God. But we still hold on to the opinion that I don't see what's wrong with it. And then I was talking to my dad and my uncle and my brother and my sister and my cousins and my nephews and a great auntie and a good friend of the family, and they don't see what's wrong with it either. They don't have no problem with it. Even though, Ezra 7, 9, verse 13, after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, remember, this the Israelites in the promised land, know what tribe they, they were from, know they were Israelites, we still had the promised land, saying that our God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve and has given us such deliverance as this. And this will come back and rebuild the temple. This will come back and rebuild the temple during the uh, Persian meet after Cyrus gave his permission to come back after the Babylonian captivity. Verse 14. Should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldst not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor escaping 
and we damn it, we were completely kicked out of the promised land and have not been welcomed back by God, the creator, since. What does affinity mean? Affinity, from Latin word affinitis, from Athens, uh, meaning adjacent, related to, related by marriage. Uh, ad and fins, meaning the end. So damage number one, the relation uh, contracted by marriage between a husband and his, his wife is wife's kindred, and between a wife and her husband's kindred in contradistinction from consanguinity or relation by blood. Um, Agreement, number two, agreement relation of conformity, a resemblance, uh, a connection, as the affinity of sounds or colors of colors or of language. So I'm going to go with that, number two. Um, An agreement of relation of conformity or resemblance. So he's asking a great question, Ezra chapter 9, verse 14. Should we again break their commandments and join in affinity or in agreement or in a relation that I can relate to what y'all are talking about? I can relate to these uncleanness. I don't see it as unclean either. I can relate to that. I don't see what's wrong with it. Uh, I can conform that this is how the world does it, this is how everybody else does it. So why can't we conform to how everybody else does it? Even though that's what got us kicked out of the promised land in the first place, I don't see if I bring you some wisdom or bring you something that you're not aware of or bring you some, something that, 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 you, that you don't know that you don't consider it, that you don't think about it, that you don't see where it could benefit what we got going on. That if, if, if it's, it's, it's in a resemblance of what everybody else is doing. It's in resemblance of what the world is doing. It's in a connection with how the world does things. So I don't see what's wrong with it. Why are you just rejecting it? And as we're saying, should we come back and do this same action and, and get the most side that much more pissed at us? And for a lot of Israelites, yeah. Verse 15, O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold. We are before thee in our trespasses, but we cannot stand before thee because of this. That it's obvious that we're busted. It's obvious that we've been doing wrong. It's obviously that, that God is not with us, but we are steadily in our pride, in our haughtiness, like, no, I'm not wrong. I'm not going to let you tell me that I'm wrong. Coming out of Ezra chapter 10, verse 1. Ezra chapter 10, verse 1. Now, when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, Weeping and casting himself down before the house of God. There assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children. For the people wept very sore. Seeing this prophet was laid out like this? Hey, what the hell have we done? We just restored the temple. We just rebuilt the temple. Now, what, what now? Verse 2. Ezra chapter 10, verse 2. And Shechaniah, the son of 
Jahael, Jahael, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. And again, I'm not focusing on the strange wives. I'm not focusing on, on that. I'm focusing on what led to us taking the strange wives, our opinions, and accepting that the things that they did was unclean. The things that they did was wrong, immoral in the eyes of God and evil. We didn't consider it immoral, wrong, evil, unclean, or filthy. We were letting love lead the way. Our love, not God's love, our love. And we wanted God to respect our love. Well, read on. Um, verse, Ezra chapter 10, verse 3. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them, according to the counsel of my Lord, and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to the law. So this, this man, Shekaniah, came and said, look, we can fix this. Let's make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them. That, this is some hardcore right here. That even the children that we have with these wives put them away. put the wives away, put the, the children we have with them away. And, yes, even for our, the, our women that married these other nations and had children with these other nations, put the men and them children that she gave birth to away. I know if a lot of women didn't hang up by now, I know, I know that just did it. And, and let it be according, done according to the law. Ezra chapter 10, verse 4. Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests, the Levites, and all Israel to swear that they should do according to this word, and they swear. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread, nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. Verse 7, and they made proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity, that they should gather themselves together unto Jerusalem, and that whosoever would not come within three days, according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his substance should be forfeited, and himself separated from the congregation of those that had been carried away. Remember the Israelites during the Babylon captivity had been carried away? Then Cyrus, when he came into power, brought the Israelites back and rebuilt the temple. And now the temple has been, has been rebuilt. 
But now all these Israelites that went away in Babylon captivity and married all these other nations and had children and, 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 and got settled in to really enjoy Babylon, to really enjoy all that Babylon had to give, now we're coming back to Israel, and it's like, oh, okay, hold up. We got a problem here. Houston, we got a problem. Now, we need everybody who came back, we need to have a council. And if somebody decides that no, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to that council, what are they going to do with me? It, it will be determined that if you don't show up after three days, all your substance will be forfeited. And himself separated from the congregation of those that had been carried away. You out. And you're going to forfeit everything. Verse 9. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth hour on the uh, 20th day of the month. And all the people sat in the street of the house of God, trembling because of this matter and for the great, and for the great rain. Verse 10. And Ezra, the priest, stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers, so about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and do his pleasure. Now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure. And separate yourselves from the people of the land and from strange wives. The problem we're focusing on is confess unto the Lord God of our fathers and do his pleasure. Confess that we were wrong. And whoever taught us that it was okay to do those things, they were wrong. Confess they were wrong. It don't have to be done out of hatred. It don't have to be done out, 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 out of such an emotional buildup that's got to be done out of hatred. This is a confession that, no, things we learned from our the generation before us and before them, it was all wrong. Everything I've grown a sentimental attachment to, how much of a sentimental attachment do you think we had to th- these wives, these husbands, and these children that we all had? You really think they want an emotional attachment? And I'm not focusing on separating the family. I'm not focusing on uh, the interracial part. I'm focusing on separating from the ideals and confessing that whoever taught us that they was okay to do those things, they were wrong. And I'm not getting technical about just the part about the interracial marriages. I'm talking about the fact of, of accepting of, of their, their ways, their, their, their education, their doctrines, um, their wisdom, it's all been wrong in the eyes of God. It's been evil in the eyes of God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's been unclean. It's been filthy. Reading on, verse 12. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, as thou hast said, so must we do. Verse 
You see how, how, how the nation of Israel came back and did the Lord's pleasure, and we confessed? And that it was in that confession, no matter how bad it hurt, it was in that humility of confessing that the Israelites became accepted again in the eyes of God. Let's go to, in dealing with this confession part right now, let me deal with this. I see times about to fade on me. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 26, verse 40. We've been over this before, we're going to read again. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 40 through 42. And it reads, if they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity. Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham. Will I remember, and I will remember the land. So doing God's pleasure and, and this confessing, not like was done in, in, in church. But we come together as a nation confessing that, that We've been doing wrong, and the people who taught us were wrong. Loved them, but they were wrong. And now, our uncircumcised hearts be be circumcised. Our uncircumcised hearts be humbled. That we just admit we're wrong. And that continually trying to justify why our opinion and why we. The way we see things is right. Fine, brothers. You know what? I'm gonna end this class with right here. I'm gonna end this class tonight with this on on this note right here. There's there's still yet hope for the nation of Israel. For the 12 tribes of Israel, there's still yet hope. But we had to confess we've been wrong and that everybody we've been following has been wrong. That my opinions and, and my summons and, and the things I want to justify, it's all been wrong. That we have been walking contrary unto the Lord our God. Following love. And God says his love is that we keep his commandments and that his commandments are not grievous. The same way we show love to our parents, our grandparents, our family members in a sentimental way that we show them love because we, we, we hold on to their words. We hold on to their morals. We hold on to their traditions. We hold on to their influences and we show them love but we don't realize that because we do that, we 
we don't show God love. All right, brothers, like I said, I'm, I'm going to end it with that. Um, thank you all for tuning in. I'm not for sure, for sure about tomorrow morning's class. I'll, I'll see. If I do have a class, I'll post it. It might be tomorrow night. I had to go ahead and do it tomorrow night. Trying to prepare for the Passover. Trying to prepare for the Passover. All right, then, brothers and sisters. Yeah, I'm calling. I'm gonna call this tonight. Tonight. Yeah, we're gonna call this more. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna call it tonight. Uh, please support isbhbk.com. Uh, uh, read your Bibles. And with that, I'm going to say shalom. Thank you.